Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. This week, Cynthia Littleton talks with the stars of Jesus Christ Superstar, John Legend, Sarah Bareilles, and Brandon Victor Dixon. Stay tuned. John Legend, thank you so much for stopping by to talk with us. About thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You must you must still be coming off of the high of Jesus Christ Superstar. It I am. I've such been, a spectacular production. Thank you. I, we've been kind of basking in it for a few weeks now, but it was really fun, the experience of doing it, and then the response to it uh, in the public and, the and, you know, the critical press and everything has been just amazing. Everywhere I go, um, running into people who saw it and really loved it. And so I'm really enjoying it. I, I love the fact that people loved what we did. We worked really hard on it and um, put a, a really remarkable team together to make it happen. And when it all comes together and people enjoy it and you feel proud of the work you did, it's a nice feeling. That's certainly got it for an artist. That's yeah, got to be so gratifying. Yeah, so rewarding. Because people are like, you know, uh, how you judge your success. And for me... It was all about, well, will we be proud of the work that we did? Will we be proud of the all this effort, all these people that come together to make it happen? Uh, will, we, will, be happy with, will we be happy with the work that we did and, and the product of that? And uh, we are very happy. What, um, what kind of response has been meaningful to you? Has it been from the public, from the critics, from friends and family? Most important was making sure Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice were happy. <laughs> That's your important audience. <laughs> and they were happy that it got reviewed so well because they were like, I, our, our show's never been this well reviewed. Like, Jesus Christ Superstar has had quite a few incarnations, uh, but they were like, it's never been reviewed this universally well over the years in any incarnation b- before. And, uh, and so they were very happy. And um, I was just honored to be able to actually work with them. They were at rehearsals. They were involved with uh, us preparing for the show. And um, for them to be pleased with what we did with their work was uh, a really a huge honor. And it was humbling for all of us. Yeah, they were front and center in, yes. in so much of it. it was, I think yeah. it was definitely a big moment. Yeah. What, what did you expect going in and what surprised you as you got into the into the process, the hard work of rehearsing and really getting that show on its feet? I don't know that I was surprised by much. I think um, uh, the television side of it all kind of throws an extra wrinkle into it. I'm used to doing a lot of shows on stage, um, not a lot of theater shows, but a lot of concerts that involve a decent amount of production. And then I'm also used to doing things like the Grammys and, and television broadcasts of musical performances. But I've never done something that was this intricate and this involved and this uh, intense of a TV production um, that involves so many moving parts uh, when it comes to cast and crew and choreography and then the choreography of the cameras themselves where they, they had to learn how to interact with the stage performers and how to stay out of each other's way. Um, it was quite intense that last week of rehearsal once we brought the cameras in, just trying to coordinate it all together. But uh, luckily, I wasn't in charge of that uh, aspect of things and let the professionals do what they did. And they were able to make it work really well. And uh, 
convey what we were doing on stage in a beautiful way and also capture the energy of the audience and and the the, the um, set design and all these other things that that um, everyone put a lot of work into I think they were able to capture all that really beautifully the these live TV musicals are such unique animals mm-hmm. they're you know a one shot one night only yeah. live without a net did was that daunting to you well for when, us, before you said yes for performers this is what we do all the time we don't have a net like we don't get another take at our concerts like if we don't do it right we don't like that's it that's the show uh when we do the grammys when we do other live broadcasts like that's it that's our moment we have to get it right uh, I think the added pressure here is that there's so many moving parts that um, if one person kind of drops the ball, it, it kind of affects a lot more people. And so I think that adds a little more pressure. But um, luckily, I've been performing live since I was a kid, and, and that aspect of things wasn't as daunting as it as it might seem. Did you know Sarah Bareilles or Brandon Victor Dixon? Or I Alice, didn't know Alice Brandon Cooper? before. I knew Sarah. We, you know, most musicians that are, you know, at these events like the Grammys and the AMAs, we we run into each other. We we meet and we we talked at the Tonys last year, and uh, and so I knew her, but I didn't I, I didn't know her very well. And then I didn't know Brandon at all until rehearsal. And uh, I think I had met Alice before, but I hadn't spent any significant amount of time with him before. Uh, and so I got to know all of them pretty well and uh, spend a decent amount of time, especially with Sarah and Brandon, as we rehearsed together quite a lot. Uh, and it was a joy. Uh, they're so talented. The voices are so beautiful and they're great performers. And we had a great time together, getting to know each other, working together. And it's just nice when you know that everybody around you is great at what they do. And uh, it makes you feel um, it just makes you feel like, OK, we're on to something. This is going to be great because each of these people is really great at what they do. Did you have that sense during the rehearsal process? Yes. That it was really going to be good? Well, you never know how it's going to come off visually and how it's going to come off on television. But I knew everybody was a great performer and I knew that they were going to deliver uh, the performances that they were supposed to deliver. Um, but you never know how it's going to come off on television. And that, that takes a bit more work from the director, both the stage director, David LeBeau, and the uh, TV director. Like, both of them had to uh, kind of have vision and uh, the set design, the choreography, all that stuff. There had to be a certain amount of vision. Um, and we didn't see all that in rehearsal because, you know, we just didn't know, like, there were a lot of things that we weren't aware of as they were happening in rehearsal, but once it all came together, it made sense. And uh, for all those people to come together with a vision and make it happen the way they did, I thought was really beautiful. Um, did you? Were, was there a favorite song or moment from the telecast for you? Well, everybody talks about Gethsemane, which is the biggest song for Jesus, but I, I love a lot of the quiet moments, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I love, like... Um, uh, poor Jerusalem is a really beautiful moment in the show. It's one of the most beautiful musical moments for me to sing in the show. And then Gethsemane is so powerful and intense and it's kind of physically taxing and emotionally it's the apex of Jesus' character. Uh, just kind of that last moment before he has a chance to decide whether or not he's going to go through with this 
uh, daunting and kind of scary sacrifice he's about to make, um, that's a really powerful moment for me. But uh, some of the best moments to me were some of the quiet moments. Mm-hmm. Was there anything during the live telecast, was there anything that went wrong or that, that, that wasn't quite as you planned, but of course the audience didn't know? Well, we had that moment in dress rehearsal, and I guess it kind of inoculated us and made, it, <laughs> made us not have it the next day. We had a, we had a, a, a bench that broke um, in, in the opening act, and at the end of the opening, or kind of in the middle of it, uh, at the end of What's the Buzz, uh, Mary and I go sit down on this bench. And that worked out perfectly in the live show, but in dress rehearsal, the bench had somehow disappeared <laughs> um, because the leg was broken by uh, some of the dancers and ensemble members. Uh, I guess they got a little overzealous. And uh, <laughs> the leg of the bench broke, so they kind of swept it off stage. And Mary and I, or Sarah and I, go to s- sit down, and it's just not there. And we just stand there, and nobody in the audience knew. But that all happened in dress rehearsal, so I guess they figured out a way to make sure it didn't happen in the live show. They got an extra strength leg there for exactly. that. <laughs> and honestly, I, other than that, um, that weekend uh, went without a hitch, as far as I could tell. I'm sure somebody knows that you know something went wrong, but as far as I could tell in, in my experience of the show, it, it went perfectly. Um, it again, it was just such a visual treat. The the, the framing of it on television mm-hmm. was absolutely beautiful. Well, it was different than any show that we, that we've seen in this kind of newly resurrected genre mm-hmm. of televising these musicals. Uh, in that, it was more of a live experience than most of those shows have been. Even though they were performing live, this time we had a big audience. It was about twelve hundred people, right? Um, and we had. Uh, uh, a live band all there in the in the building on the stage with us and so it had that hybrid feel of a concert and a live theater performance and also uh, you know of course the telecast so I think that lent a certain kind of energy and urgency to it that uh, some of the other shows haven't had and I think that's what made it feel so special how did you feel of course the moment that everybody was raving about it, you know, how did you feel in the moment when you were being, you know, um, lifted up, and and that moment, of the crucifixion scene where they created the 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 walls just created this beautiful oh. cross that I didn't see coming, and afterwards I was like, oh, you should have seen that coming, but it was really breathtaking, and then it faded to white. How did you feel when you were in midair at that oh, moment? Oh, it's well, part of what I was trying to do as an actor was just think about the pain that he must have been feeling at that moment and um, try to connect to that pain and uh, the true like torture of the uh, actual crucifixion experience. Uh, it, was a, it was a fairly common way to execute people back then. It was extremely, extremely inhumane and like torturous. And so I tried to think about that um, and be in that moment. Uh, but when you look back at it, of course, there's this exquisite kind of beauty to it and so many people were moved by the way the light shone on me and the way the cross kind of drifted back into the into the light and it was just beautiful set design by the by the team and and beautiful kind of visual conception of what it might uh a a beautiful way to kind of portray uh such a tragic moment um i I thought they did a, a really great job of it 
it was gutsy because yeah. anything one you know one or two seconds behind one of the moving walls it was it was a gut it, I was sort of holding my breath thinking wow I trusted all this the uh, tech folks they we had been rehearsed it quite a few times and they made me feel safe and I was harnessed onto that uh, cross. Um, and they made me feel safe. I wasn't worried about that. I was just focused on trying to convey whatever pain that he might have felt and suffering that he, he went through um, as an actor. And then, and then I trusted those guys to make sure I, I survived the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, and I, I was just marveling at the beauty of it when I saw it on, on even during rehearsal, dress rehearsal, when I was able to go back and look at the uh, the uh, footage. It just looked stunning and beautiful and. I think what's interesting about the show is they they never wrote uh, any kind of resurrection into the show, but um, to kind of work around that, having me go into the light in the way that I did, it felt like a, a beautiful ending, even though you didn't see the resurrection. Absolutely, yeah, that was definitely that was definitely clear, and to yeah. have it be on Easter Sunday yeah. was just meaningful. Yeah, it was meaningful to meaningful. have it on that day, and. And, you know, the the show has had some controversy over the years because it's not kind of strictly biblical in right. the way that uh, it interprets the last days of Christ. And, and it, it, it takes some you know poetic and creative license uh, with how one might imagine uh, the disciples and Jesus interacted, how Mary and Jesus may have interacted. Uh, and so it had, you know, it'd been, it was controversial when it first came out and people boycotted it and and you know banned their kids from going to see it and all these things but i think uh over the years i think um you know some of the controversy has faded and people just appreciated how beautiful the story is and uh and it's just one or two artists kind of vision of what uh um Christ's last days might have been like and what his personality was like and what the personalities of Judas and Mary and the other disciples were like and um um I think it's held up very well over the years as far as the, the original compositions and uh, um, and we hoped that we would do it justice and embody it in a way that was beautiful and, and felt urgent and, and relevant to people. And I feel like it worked. I feel like it really connected. I would say it did. I would say it did. Um, now, did you at some point sit down with, at, at your TV set and watch the whole thing? Yeah, <laughs> it's cool to see it. You know, after all, after all the dust settled, um, and I thought the team did a great job. I was just happy to be with such a great group of artists, a great group of actors, great group of choreographers, and you know, just everybody who had any creative influence in it. It was an all-star team of people, and uh, and we came together and made something really beautiful. I think. Yeah. Um, what have you been doing since? I know you have. You wear a lot of hats. You, yeah. You're a producer. You're a musician. You're sure. a father. <laughs> so we've been doing all, a little bit of all of that. Um, the first week after the show, I was just dad and husband, and <laughs> we just relaxed in Malibu for a week, and just didn't work. Um, then I released a new song that I had written called "A Good Night," which just came out, and uh, we're excited about that and the video. And then uh, I've been back in the studio uh, trying to finish my next album and, um, and uh, working on new music. And then um, I'm here now at Tribeca Film Festival, and uh, we had a documentary that my team was a part of um, called United Skates. And United Skates is a documentary about the black roller skating scene and kind of the... Uh, it's kind of a dying culture as far as, you know, roller skating rinks and... And um, how they've been they've been disappearing around the country and 
and uh, the kind of fight to preserve that culture and, and the creativity and the joy and the love that that culture has um, has brought. Um, and it's about all of that. And it's so beautiful and fun and, and exciting to see all these really talented people skating and coming together and and having community around skating. And um, the documentary is really great. So if people get a chance to see it, they should. Uh, but that's our latest uh, Get Lifted production. And we've got more that's coming. Um, luckily, I have a great team, so I don't have to spend a lot of my time uh, working on those projects. But um, but I'm happy to uh, to champion them and uh, and tell the world about them when they're ready. You have so much going on and so much success in many areas. Why was it important for you to really get your hands into producing, producing television, producing films, documentaries? Well, I'm a big fan, and I've always been a big fan of great storytelling. I was an English major in college, and I've always loved film. I've always loved great storytelling. And I felt like, well, a few things. I had been collaborating with a lot of filmmakers because as a musician, that's one of the things I like to do. I like to work with great filmmakers who are telling interesting stories and, and contribute music to those uh, films. And I've been doing that for, for many years now. And um, through my experiences working with them, um, I started to develop a lot of really good relationships with filmmakers. And I saw that I had the ability and the, and the uh, kind of connections and the power to help get some of these films made. And um, we wanted to use that power um, to tell stories that interested me and my team, stories that I connected with that I thought would be interesting to put out there. And so we started um, producing projects, bringing creatives together to make projects happen, get them funded, uh, get them out to the world. We've done it in TV, we've done it in film and theater now as well, and uh, we're going to keep doing it. It sounds like you enjoy the the process of of packaging and you know making something happen, yeah. even if you aren't hands on the director. Exactly, or the it's about really producing is about bringing talent together and and meeting that talent with an audience and money and all the things you need to get it out there. And so, um, a lot of the process is really collaborative, and it's about uh, finding artists that you feel like have something special to say and have a really interesting voice and then helping them get their voice out there to the people. With all that you have going on right now, is there anything that you still aspire to do? Is it, are, there, are there achievements yet that you want to have? Well, I don't know if I want to get into any kind of new field of <laughs> things. Uh, I feel like I do enough things. I just want to be better at all those <laughs> things. So as a songwriter, I'm always challenging myself to... Um, write a better song than I wrote last time write a, make a better album than I made last time um, give a better performance than I gave last time um, and then um, as a um, as a producer we want to like keep making great projects and work with uh, talented people and um, just succeed at that in that area to the highest level that we can, we can possibly succeed and then I think about being the best dad and husband I can be too um, and um, if I do all those things well, then I'm very happy. And uh, and hopefully we can make the world a little bit better, too. That is a noble ambition for sure. Um, and you have a you have a another addition to your family. Yeah. Coming. Uh, so about my daughter just turned two and we just celebrated her birthday with a really fun Sesame Street themed party. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we have a son on the way and he'll be here relatively soon probably in, a, in a, probably three to six weeks I'm guessing 
and um, and uh, we're excited about that. With all that you are juggling, we are so grateful that you came in and, and came pleasure. to speak with us about Jesus Christ Superstar. Congratulations. Thank you so much. On many levels. Thank you. That's what John Legend had to say about playing Black Jesus. Up next, we'll hear from Sarah Bareilles and Brandon Victor Dixon on why they signed on for the project. I'd like to welcome my guests, Brandon Victor Dixon and Sarah Bareilles, who dazzled the country on Easter Sunday night with their performance in NBC's wildly ambitious, incredibly successful live staging of Jesus Christ Superstar. Thank you both for coming today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to. Yeah, just really right. They want us to get right up in those mics. Okay. If you wouldn't mind just saying thanks. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you so much. Happy to be here. <laughs> it's almost three weeks since the performance. Have you come down from the high? Uh, I mean, uh, a little bit, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, the first few days afterwards were pretty, I don't know how you felt, but it's pretty buzzy it yeah. was really it was really just love i think lovely to see the widespread positive response that mm-hmm. was really nice just yeah. to see how many people who were both big fans of it to begin with uh who felt it lived up to their very high standards or, or those who came to it anew it was really nice to see to see the response mm-hmm. did you have expectations going in of what the response would be did you have a sense of that that it would draw such a wide audience or did you think it might be a little more narrow to to theater fans and fans of the original album i didn't think too much about the response actually i mean i, I figured just from a on paper it was going to reach a wide audience you know that the way it was structured but i actually didn't think too much about what the response was going to be i thought mostly about what we were doing yeah i mean i it was obvious there was a, a powerful engine behind it um I, th- I think, to be honest, I was more bracing for what could have been a negative reaction because I, I also find that it seems more fun to hate things right now, especially online. So I was, I was, but what I really felt when we were making it is just there was so much love in that room, and we really were, it, we were really coming to this project wholeheartedly from the top down, from our mm-hmm. creative team to every last person in the ensemble and on the crew and our um, creatives behind the scenes. I think that's why I wasn't thinking about what was happening past what we put out because the energy was so positive and cohesive that I like we were just kind of in in ingesting the process and investing in the process which was very satisfying within itself. Yeah I agree. You both, of course, are veterans of live performance, a uh, veteran of Hamilton, of, of stage and, and screen and concert tours. What was it that was different about Jesus Christ Superstar inter- as a performer? I, for me, it was, I, I had just never experienced that kind of a hybrid of, of uh, types of performance. I mean, you had the, it felt like a live concert in the room. It felt like a TV performance because there's, you know, a lot of hurry up and wait and stop and start, and it's sort of like the the energy of television. Um, but having that live component, it was just it was unusual. It was really kind of its own anomaly, and I really felt like we were all linked arms and jumping off a cliff together, and it was like we didn't know what was going to happen, but um, it was exciting. It was mm. so joyful yeah it was I, I think it felt mostly it for me it felt mostly like a theatrical process the build of it and I think that's 
I think that was the focus of the the structure of how it was created, which I think helped it a great deal. Um, but you're right; it's a very unique hybrid of, of concert and TV and theater. Um, but I think there were just both the nature of the show and the timing and the people involved. There was simply a, a confluence of, of elements that made it all think created the landscape for it to be positively successful on the level that it, that it has been. I think the energy translated. Which yeah, I agree. The sincerity of the storytelling uh, of the human investment was, I think, palpable. Talk about human investment. Can you talk about the rehearsal process and how much you you had to commit to this project? You know, what kind of time it took out of, you know, you guys have very busy schedules. Uh, I, I was sort of in and out of rehearsals intermittently. Um, but in rehearsals for, I guess, about a month on and off, um, the ensemble was there night and day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what your, what was yours? I mean, because what's really interesting about the process is as, uh, as intense and as many elements and people were involved, it really, they managed a lot of schedules. We did two mm-hmm. weeks, just the disciples and John and myself and Sarah and then, and then John went away for three weeks. Sarah was gone for two weeks. I was gone for a week or, or two. And they brought in half the ensemble and built part of the show with them. And then we started to feather back in as they brought in another piece of the ensemble. And then the band. And we weren't all together until the final five days. Yeah, yeah. Six days of the actual process. Like, everybody who was going to be involved. So, it, you know, it, it, they managed all of these schedules, these very intricate schedules in, 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 in a very... Incredible way, actually. Um, but the but the process it just it felt like each time we were stepping a level up a level in, in layering the process more, layering the direction more. I think what David and Camille did was really remarkable, um, both from a, a structural level and and how they communicated to everybody their piece in our storytelling. Um, I think Alex's camera work is great. I just say everybody everybody worked very well with one another. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It sounds like you know to to pull that off. That's that is a ton of pros. People mm-hmm. that have a lot of a lot of that experience. Can you remember? So on Easter Sunday night at eight o'clock, when you hear that first guitar chord, that that you know chord that everybody associates with that with the opening overture. Can you remember how you felt? Like what was in your mind at that time when you knew it was go time? Yeah, I mean, it, for me, it was. Uh, you know, I was really just thinking about my voice because I'm about to sing a very intense song at the beginning of the show. <laughs> right. There's no like yeah. warming up for Judas in this show. <laughs> but also, you know, I love Brandon, the, the our little Taz, the guitarist who opens the show. So it was also, you know, and I was I was waiting to hear if he was going to listen to what they told him to do, which is play it straight, or whether he was going to embellish a little bit, like. We were all telling him to, <laughs> and so you know he was kind of thinking about those things. You're you're both focused on the performance, but present with all of your your fellow performers and the things they're doing. So yeah, I mean for me it was the air felt like champagne. I mean walking <laughs> into that that warehouse that morning, everyone was so proud of the work that had gone into this and like it, champagne. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean it felt it was so um buoyant and it was so I just kept coming back to feeling how much joy there was being poured into this and then um it's the thing that I love so much about 
working in theater is it's so community oriented and it's it's really not about any one person even though dear brandon had some really heavy lifting but it's like it's really about the communion of the cast and the crew and how it's it the entire orchestra of people making the show come together so mm-hmm. it really felt like we were in really good hands first of all just top down we were in really good hands our tech teams like the, they coordinate the tony awards so we knew a bunch of them from the like it was just everybody yeah everybody it was and, and it was really great vibes in the room and um and also john was just he's always cool as a cucumber but <laughs> he was just excited he wasn't that nervous and it sort of felt like that that was a nice tone to set you know, and yeah. just sort of, it just wasn't. We all felt like we know what we're doing. Let's let's go out and do it. And From do the it. first day, I remember I was asking John. I was like, "So, what made you decide to do that? You wanted to do this?" And he was like, "I don't know. Just seemed like it might be fun, a new <laughs> challenge." You know, I was like, "Okay." It's like very, very matter of fact. Just, I'm, like, oh, I'm like so curious <laughs> if he ever gets rattled because I did not see one iota of like. A sweat bead on that man. Not one drop. No, uh -uh. he is the coolest. Yeah. Now I have to ask: Did the did the young guitarist? Did he embellish a little? Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) he threw it in there. I was like, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to play the notes ambitions. Yeah, (laughs) it's all right. We have pearls of wisdom flying out of you guys' mouth there. That's great. What was the moment that that we didn't see on TV? that has stayed with you you know whether it was something that happened backstage or something that happened during the performance that only the performers would know the very large incredibly deeply felt meeting between uh, Sir Tim Rice Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber and the entire cast and creatives that I was not able to be at that <laughs> moment sticks with me to this Where moment. were you, by the way? I was getting my tattoos put on my body. I cannot believe it was the, it was the first day they didn't go on properly. The first time, so they had okay. to redo the whole thing. <gasps> oh, so it's just like, oh no, yeah, I remember we're all getting this. It like, for me. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so this is not during the telecast. It's just right, just before, before, just prior, yeah, okay. just yeah. prior. Gotcha. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, because we saw Brandon walk in. I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> that's so funny. And what did they say? What did they talk? What did you guys talk about? What they did were they, ju- they, what did they say? <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, they just were proud and excited. It was all about loving up the cast and really emboldening everyone to just go speak to the passion of this play and and basically leave it all on the table. Just go for it and and remember to connect with each other it was really it was really beautifully grounded i think but but seeing them be so excited and so proud of this project that has such a a vibrant life you know almost 50 years into its creation i mean that's got to be an amazing thing to feel when you know you made something when in your early 20s when you were just sort of like punk and didn't know what you were even doing necessarily it's really a wild concept to think that they did this and that it still is so relevant and so resonant with with you know the community at large so it was cool we were all proud to a lot of pride keep coming back to that word pride Pride and champagne (laughs) they i mean they must have just been blown away to see it brought to life with 
incredible performers and and after the fact to have so much resonance yeah people really i think they genuinely genuinely are were uh i think i I mean hey look i can only imagine what it must be like to write a thing and 40 years later see people giving themselves fully and honestly to Mm -hmm. it in this way i think and wanting to put as much behind a story as you know nbc and and everybody involved has so I, i think i that can only be an overwhelming thing to experience in general, um, but then to have it really reach the—I mean, the, the, I think the only thing you can ask for as an artist or as a creative is is to is to ask that somebody fills it with life, whatever mm-hmm. life they have to give in that moment in time, and that's the thing that we we find moving to to be a part of, to bear witness to, and so I, I think. And they did express this afterwards that they they felt the fullness of the offering, and that is, I think, what 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 mattered to them and connected to them mm-hmm. was there anything you know it's such these are such unique animals it is a one-shot deal yeah at least in this you know on the, in the televised incarnation is there anything any choices you would have made anything you would have done differently if you had the chance to do it again 25 percent of the way into the telecast absolutely <laughs> <laughs> How i so? haven't seen the whole thing yet but i'm like oh you could okay Oh, did you watch it back and you were like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, you know, the pieces that I've seen, I'd be like, but I've been like, okay, you could have, but, but it worked. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I think, yeah, I, I I guess I sort of like to remember it the way it felt in the room. Because I, I watched back, too, and I kind of, like, fast-forwarded through, like, just like, oh, God. It's hard to watch when something lives a certain way in your mind, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, Okay, well, if you guys like it, I guess. I didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But in the moment, it's like you're just sort of giving what you have to give. And I did feel that I I tried to show up honestly. And, you know, whether or not it it would have come out the same way had we done it a day later, I don't know. But, you know. John and I, we both felt that probably our vocal performances were better on Saturday. Uh Uh-huh. But that Sunday, it just, it was a very honest. Yeah connective yeah. offering and we were like you know so that's that's all you can ask for sometimes it's not the perfect take but the rawness and the yeah. the emotion as yeah, you said I, I always say like I'm, I'm, I've almost, I'm like I'm never perfect but it tends to be right mm-hmm. you know it tends to be whatever is there tends to operate as it needs to what now? I've got to imagine that in the in during the commercial breaks backstage, it must be like it, it must just be you know controlled chaos in terms mm-hmm. of people running around getting. Can you talk about what the what the atmosphere is in the wings when you're it's for something like that? Chaos, I think, for the ensemble because like, they're in every you know, they change for every number they do, yeah. and you know we we're very in and out. Um, yeah, we'd have big break. We had pee breaks. It was like you know there wasn't that kind of stress. But yeah, yeah, I think for the ensemble it was a much more intense experience. But I enjoyed it. What I loved actually about it was feeling the camaraderie of the crew and the cast backstage. If you were if you weren't on stage, you were huddled around a monitor watching and cheering, and it was really um, um, an invested group of people that mm-hmm. were watching the thing come to life and and being really excited about it i would imagine that that in with such little time that you you're not going to your twitter you're not looking at your phone to see like what the response is you're you're no. you got to keep your head in the game i got a couple of ig stories out in the first 15 i'm yeah, so I, did. I didn't i didn't up until uh, yeah up until you know i had to get real you know judicy 
<laughs> I got, got a couple out. <laughs> I realized I went up to Brandon in one of the commercial breaks. I'm trying to think of what it was just before, but it's toward you know towards the second half of the show, which is closer to when he's about to commit suicide. And I'm like, "Are you having fun?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah." But, <laughs> but and then I was thinking about it afterwards. I'm like, "Oh my god, he's like." doing these really intense scenes and I'm like you having fun buddy <laughs> so it was you everything know, I had is alright yeah everything Mary. is just alright for Mary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you love did you, your costume that got so much attention the, you know the kind of the leather the le- the le- excuse me your costume that got so much attention the leather shirt did that uh, did you bond with that shirt did you love it the, did you keep the, it the, you mean the vest okay. yes yeah uh, I, I did not you know that it's it's received a lot of love but it's not really my look <laughs> um I you bu- can't see Brandon right now, but he is so dapper. He I, is dressed. Yes, my, my, my shirt has champagne glasses it on it. It sure does. Chalices. Chal I? Is that the plural? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've, I've tried to hold on to pieces of the costume, but, uh, you know, they're, they're fighting me on it. I think they want to archive them or something. I want those boots. Yeah. Oh, keep boots. I got to keep my sandals. Don't tell. Well, Don't tell. You NBC. did. This is it, this I is public. <laughs> when we see you on the beach later this yeah. year, we'll, we'll <laughs> um, is there for something like that? Do you have like a time clock in your head? Do you know? I mean, obviously, you know the progression of the songs, but do you have a sense of like, wow, we're in the last ten minutes, we're in the last five minutes? Does that is there an adrenaline rush as you get towards the finish line? Sadly, only a vague sense. I mean, I was like. Wait, what is the next number? Because we had done everything out of sequence for so long, right. I did not always know exactly what number followed which, which was an interesting. I thing. asked them to put up a list backstage because <laughs> I was getting I. so turned around and almost completely missed an entrance. So they finally put up a list of like this comes after this, <laughs> this yes, which was, was helpful. <laughs> which was helpful. Which was helpful. Mm-hmm. And the audience, of course, the audience was a was a big part of that. As a viewer at home, I can tell you that the sense you really felt like you were at a concert, seeing the the audiences, especially the you know the people in costume. Was that something important for you guys to keep your energy up, to keep that, to keep that sort of that communal feeling going, to have the audience there? I think it absolutely helped. Yeah, I really appreciated. I found it to be grounding because it was. It was so immediate, it sort of kept your mind off of the cameras. And so you could just perform for the people in the room and, and give mm-hmm. them the show, knowing that if you if you do that well, hopefully it's, it's our TV crew's job to make that translate. But right. I think sometimes, especially with the storytelling, if you think about trying to broadcast it in any sort of grand way, I think you can corrupt the storytelling um, I think it's more about connecting with each other on stage and with the audience in the room, which I, I thought was, that was like a brilliant s- stroke of them to to put um, an audience of that size in the immediate mm-hmm. um, surrounding area so we could really feel them. Right, right. Um, do you think... Um, just completely lost my train of thought. Um, were, you, were you two both holding your breath for the crucifixion scene, when you know to see because that was such a such Isn't a tight amazing? needle to thread and such a, I mean just such a visual. Mm-hmm. Again, I didn't get to watch it as my back is to it, but I hear wonderful things. <laughs> the <laughs> photographs are lovely. Um, 
I was mostly trying to catch my breath. And uh, you just had a big moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, you know, it was it, it, that moment was, was always a very interesting one for me, both in rehearsals and in the shooting of it, because I can see everybody, and everybody, everybody's having a very, they're all having very interesting experiences. You know, some of them are, some of them are wrapped by I think the, just the visuals and the energy of it. Some of them, some of us with more deeply rooted Christian values, are wrapped by the the, the whole imagery of it and. It's just, it was interesting to just see this community of people experience this event in the variety of ways they experienced it. Yeah, I found it really emotional every time watching it from the back of the auditorium. And um, I think the staging of that moment is just so brilliant and so emotional. Um, And I grew up Catholic, and so the the image of a crucifixion and and a cross brings up a lot of stuff for me and I think to Brandon's point that's what a lot of people were going through was just it it let the whole evening become personal I think for a moment and uh yeah no matter who you are or what you believe or your background the that imagery the mm-hmm. Christian mythology is deeply embedded in the psyche of the globe no matter where you exist on the spectrum of it so, absolutely yeah you know so I think that carries and it was powerful it was it wasn't gaudy. It wasn't. It, w- it was really, I thought, quite graceful and poetic, and a, a, a beautiful grace note. And I think, honest to kind of Andrew and Tim's, the the aperture they were exploring of this place and this time and this story, I think, kind of just very grounded in the experience of these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, of course, I don't know how to love him is one of the you know one of the best known <laughs> songs from the piece. Did you try? multiple ways to come at it or did you did you pretty much know how you wanted to deliver it as you did so powerfully on oh, stage thank you you know i felt my approach to this to my uh contribution to the score was just to come to it honestly and it it wasn't broken it didn't need fixing it, it just needed you know my interpret or you know that moment I just could only offer my interpretation so I wasn't I knew I didn't want to embellish all over the place I wanted to just sort of I also felt like that would be out of uh, character for her I thought that what I love about Mary is her sort of undying devotion and this sort of this truth arrow she's just she's born out of love she's complicated in her own ways but it she really had quite a purity about her for being cast as such an impure soul so um i wanted to kind of honor that and and uh that was my approach i just i didn't want to like sing all over it it just felt like that was like (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) go do that in karaoke but (laughs) tell the story as you as well you did brandon did you um did you plan to do the wakanda salute at the at the end of the show on saturday on saturday because they didn't give me the bedazzled gauntlets they didn't give me the 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 bracelets of power until saturday (laughs) and it was once once i saw them i i had a wonder woman moment and i realized all of the strength that i had within me and the only the best way to reflect that was wakanda forever (laughs) the internet i was at home the internet went 
crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was just like exploded. I it was see, a I nice did, moment. A friend of mine called me, yeah, Carla Mosley. She, she was at a, a viewing party in L.A., and she said she's like she, there was a bunch of a, a, a bunch of a bunch of black people at this party, and Denai Guerrero was there. Um, and she said the second you threw that up, the whole place went crazy. Oh, I bet. And Denai started jumping up and down. That is awesome. <laughs> it's a nice, great moment. Um, what's next for you both? Well, um, I in the immediate future, I'm working on I. I we announced today that I'm hosting the Tony Awards with Josh Groban, so I'm going to be... <laughs> Thank you, audience. This audience is incredible. Um, so we'll be working on getting prepared for that. I'm writing for a record, and um, and then I have another project that's sort of about to get announced that I'm probably not quite at liberty to talk about, but it's another sort of music, music-oriented project. Like like a stage project or no no <laughs> okay well we will stay tuned yeah, stay and we tuned. expect to hear the news from you when when it's ready yeah Brandon uh, yes uh, well I'm working on an EP that I'm working to release in August and I have a, I have a single coming out at the end of the month called We Are and all of the proceeds are going to go to benefit uh, diversionary arts programs for children who are who are involved in the court system so that's my next project. Oh wow! Is that has that been that issue been um, something of significance to you? Yes, absolutely. Raising raising issues about uh, mass incarceration and um, you know specifically ch- children who are court involved and women caught up in the incarceration system. Wow, that sounds like a very worthy project. It is. I hope hopefully people will talk about it and help support. Yeah, John is very involved in that as well. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Got wow. good people around us, you know. That's yeah, cool. that's great. That's great. Well, thank you both for your time and coming in, to g- giving us the kind of the behind-the-scenes look at J- Jesus Christ Superstar, which was a, just a terrific production. And kudos to all of you. Thank, thank you, you very so much. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. I'll be talking to Ted Danson about his brilliant comedy, The Good Place. See you next time.